you provide us with the access to the billing data, it could be as simple as through a file or an API or some other means, and then we provide the payment portal to interact with your constituent. We make sure that it's mobile friendly. We, we make sure that we can provide access to these alternate channels for you. From Tyler Technologies, it's the Tyler Tech Podcast, where we talk about issues facing communities today and highlight the people, places, and technology making a difference. My name is Jeff Harrell. I'm the Director of Content Marketing here at Tyler, and I'm glad that you joined me. Well, how does money move from citizens to government to pay for government services like utilities and other things? What if you do not have a traditional bank account or want to pay with a check or cash or, my goodness, even PayPal or cryptocurrency? Lots of interesting things relative to payments, and that is our focus today. In fact, we're going to do a three-part series around payments, and today is part one. We're going to look at government payments and how new citizens' expectations impact payments with Sloan Wright. Sloan is an experienced executive working with federal, state, and local governments to deliver award-winning technology and payment solutions for, gosh, nearly two decades. He is part of Tyler Technologies and has led the state division operations in the states of Alabama, Indiana, Florida, and has been responsible for using innovation and technology to make all government agencies, including the Department of Transportation and Motor Vehicles, more accessible, secure, and convenient for businesses and citizens. He is absolutely an expert in this space and the perfect person to talk to. So without further ado, here is part one of our three-part series around payments with Sloan Wright. Sloan, welcome to the Tyler Tech Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. We're going to do a three-part series, and today we're going to focus on payments around citizens, new citizen expectations. But I thought it'd be important to take a bit of a step back and just have you talk about Payments at a high level. When we define payments, what are we talking about? Payments is a is a pretty broad term, Jeff, but but in its simplest form, we're describing the ability for a resident or a citizen or a business or really any person or entity to complete a government transaction, whether whether they're in person, online, over the phone, or from previous instructions such as like a scheduled payment or an auto pay mechanism. Then once they select their modality or, or, or the method in which they want to pay, then, then this payment is recorded in a financial system of record, which starts a long living life cycle of this specific transaction, which is important as a, as a payment transaction is not immutable and it may experience updates or changes. Uh, based on activities such as chargebacks or, or refunds, for example. And I know today we're going to focus in on citizens and what payments mean to citizens. So talk to us a little bit about the challenges. What are the challenges that citizens face relative to payments? Perfect. Well, I think that sometimes when solutioning for the ability to take payments, it's oftentimes easy to think of how the majority of people will conduct a payment 
which is with a credit card or a debit card or, or maybe a check, whether it's processed in person or digitally. However, not all citizens or residents will have access to these highly accepted payment methods. As a matter of fact, many people in the U.S. may have difficulties in establishing a traditional bank account or opening a credit card, for instance. And as a matter of fact, there was a study a few years ago that was conducted by the FDIC that indicated there are more than 30 million U.S. households that are either unbanked or underbanked, meaning that they have no FDIC-insured account or that they may also obtain financial services from non-bank alternative providers like a PayPal or a Venmo, uh, for example. And, and this is a figure that, that really took me by surprise and a barrier for many people, as you can imagine, for, for a variety of reasons to be able to remit funds to their government. And, and I think, Jeff, maybe, maybe another challenge to think about as well is that citizens may not always work a schedule that may provide them with the flexibility to visit a government office during traditional office hours. And this is where online services are key, but should be solutioned in the mindset that a citizen may need the ability to pay with cash, for instance, when a government office may not be open. So, Son, I'm, I'm interested, does a lot of the variation in the, in the way people want to pay or use payments vary by generation? So, in other words, my dad, who's a baby boomer, still writes out a check, still wants to pay with cash, or is my daughter, who is Gen Z, wants to pay with her phone? Are we seeing some generational differences with payments? Absolutely. And, and I think that's also where uh, we're seeing a lot of uptick in alternative payment methods. And, it, it, you know, I, I mentioned that not everybody may qualify for a traditional uh, banking method, whether it be a bank account or a credit card, etc. But it may also be that people are maybe cash preferred. Uh, where, where they prefer to leverage cash and peer-to-peer -peer type systems where, where they're able to, to move money, leveraging the tools that, that make the most sense for them. Another example, Jeff, is, and you may, you may think of this when I say it, and you'll be like, man, that feels like a, like a legacy technology, but, but IVR still has um, a fairly high adoption rate and it is in that, that boomer-type population. So they, they would much prefer to pick up the phone, even if there's not a person on the other end, and conduct that transaction uh, via the phone and via their touchpad. So, so each of these payment methods, I do feel like, are, you know, are highly relevant in the space. And we, we do see a transition that's occurring. But that transition at this point is really to to add some alternative payment mechanisms into the ecosystem. I can see how it'd be a challenge for government. You, you've got to deal with each of those variations, each of, each of those generations differently. And I know we're, I'm excited about part three of this series where we'll talk a little bit more about trends and some of the things, alternative methods of payments that you mentioned. But talk to us a little bit. I know we've all been through the pandemic. It accelerated a lot of things in our lives, including Hey, my dad's had to learn how to use Zoom because you know it's, that's how people meet now a lot of times. So how have the expectations that citizens have 
especially around payments change because of the pandemic, just because of you know, where we are as a society? You know, when, when you said your dad has had to learn Zoom, it, it made me think of the, the phrase that everybody experienced in the pandemic, which is, hey, Jeff, you're on mute. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, so I think we, we all were in that boat. And it's just incredible to, to think about the things that did change. And, and you know, and, and life is different now. But, you know, but I'm not sure that the pandemic accelerated differing expectations, or if it really just underscored a need that we have not done a great job at addressing these things in the past. You know, as I mentioned a few moments ago, there are somewhere around 13% of U.S. households that may be unbanked or underbanked. And, you know, when transacting with government, there's usually only one authority to complete your transaction with. And so it's likely that these individuals have traditionally had to maybe adjust their schedules or miss work or find transportation or some other challenge to find their way to a brick and mortar location to conduct their business. And in some cases, the individual may have to buy, literally pay for a prepaid debit card so that they can conduct their transaction online or they may have to buy a money order or some other instrument as they do not have a bank account like we talked about, right? I, I think this is an area that we can do better in to make sure we're finding ways to meet our citizens and, and our residents where they are and still find ways to provide them with conveniences in channels that may be more accessible to them. And what's the risk to government if they don't think about those things and, and aren't able to adapt with the new needs and the changing needs of their citizens. You know, this is a this is a tricky one because as I as I mentioned, there's usually only one authority or one official source to conduct a government transaction with. But but that said, the risk is that people are not able to meet their obligations in a timely manner, potentially triggering things like penalties or or delays in receipt of funds. Um, perhaps another risk is also increased outreach and collection efforts on a government team that's potentially already running lean, which causes additional strain and, and takes attention away from, from other areas that, that could possibly be more beneficial for the community. I'll be back with my conversation with Sloan Wright in just a moment. If you are a Tyler client, you need to know about Tyler Connect. It is coming up and we have a save the date for you. The Tyler Connect annual user conference is going to be from May 7th through May 10th of 2023 in San Antonio, Texas. You'll experience the best product training while networking with thousands of industry peers, all while enjoying the great city of San Antonio. Make sure you get ready for early registration, which opens up in December of 2022. Now back to my conversation with Sloan Wright. Well, then let's move a little bit, our focus towards solutions. I know this is the world that you live in. We're looking at how do we help solve some of these problems? So what are some of the solutions that are available to government as they consider addressing this problem? For sure. And, and maybe this is the preview for, for some of the rest of the series. Yeah. But, uh, but, but we are starting to see alternative payment channels in more and more procurement requests. 
So, so I think governments are starting to solve for these challenges. When, when considering payment acceptance channels, it's easy to think narrowly with a focus on face-to-face -face transactions or online transactions through a website or a web application. In addition to these common channels, government entities should also consider in-person channels at, and this one, this is where the twist is, right? In-person channels at private sector partner locations that may be more convenient to access and have later operating hours than a traditional government office. I think ensuring mobile channels are up to date and accessible is key. You know, maybe consider providing, like we discussed, that IVR phone-based channel and implement non-traditional financial channels such as PayPal. You know, that's kind of that alternative payment space. From a solutions perspective, Jeff, there are checkout technologies and partnerships that are available to provide to governments with the ability to accept payments over these alternative channels. Specifically, and I'll speak for Tyler, specifically Tyler provides bill presentment technologies that will bring all of these offerings together into one place, which will allow for the citizen or the resident to choose the most convenient way to complete their transaction. And that convenience is gonna be different for everybody, right? It, it could mean that, that this person may prefer to go to a participating grocery store or retail location that can work with a citizen to remit payment in cash for their specific government bill even if it's something like a property tax payment, right? Sloan, here at Tyler, our, our passion really is around empowering the public sector. I know you're really focused on this space. And you know, our, our heart here at Tyler is to really serve as a guide to help governments figure some of these things out. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you're working on to help enable some of the clients that you're working with to do this. Tyler would like to partner with government to provide a bill presentment or a checkout technology that'll scale to alternative payment channels. We have relationships with the largest processors in the U.S., which include a cash acceptance network of more than 30,000 retailers across the country, as well as a partnership with big entities like PayPal, which brings access to services like Venmo. Uh, you, many of you have probably heard of buy now, pay later services, and even the ability to transact with one of the, the more cutting edge technologies, cryptocurrency. Tyler can, can help by providing the technology that will connect to your government backend systems to seamlessly provide the citizen or the payee with the ability to search for their bill and to choose a payment method or frequency that will work for them. This can be captured on what I like to call a single pane of glass and provide one integration point for your backend systems. And, and you know, Jeff, we're, for, for the audience here, we're, we're doing the hard work of certifying and integrating with each of these payment methods so that your government systems do not have to go through that individual effort over and over again for each system that, that you might support. Rather, you provide us with the access to the billing data. It could be as simple as through a file or an API or some other means, 
and then we provide the payment portal to interact with your constituent. We make sure that it's mobile friendly. We, we make sure that we can provide access to these alternate channels for you. And so I know we've got this three parts for a reason. We're really excited about part two. We'll talk about government more specifically. We looked at citizens a little bit more today. And then the third part will be those trends we talked about. But if someone's listening right now and going, you know what, we've got to figure this out. We know that there's some expectations the citizens are, are looking for from us. If someone wanted to learn more, what's a best next step for them? You know, I would say we want to make this as easy and seamless as possible for our government partners. You know, just simply reach out to your Tyler sales rep that you work with today on any of the Tyler products and solutions and let them know that you want to have a deeper discussion on how Tyler can help streamline your ability to take payments across more channels and to help you meet your citizens. And this is probably key meet your citizens where they are. I always like to say that, that we do not charge to sit down and listen to the needs of our government partners. So don't be shy or, you know, or, or timid about reaching out for whatever reason. Your outreach may not only serve your needs, but it may also help bring our awareness to new challenges that, that may be related to your specific market. And that may help us to be able to to sit down and come up with solutions that'll help others in, in your same situation across the U.S. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you or, or learn more, what's the best place for them to go? So, so twofold, as I mentioned, I would certainly start with your Tyler sales rep if you have somebody established. And if not, we make it really simple. We've got a dedicated space at tylertech.com slash payments. So that's tylertech.com forward slash payments. And that'll take you uh, to a page where you can learn more about the solutions that Tyler offers in the payment space, as well as some contact information. Well, I love it, Sloan. And we've been teasing this a little bit, but I'd like to talk about, this is part one of a three-part series. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about in part two and part three. The next two episodes will cover how payment expectations impact government, as well as trends that we are seeing in the government space. Our primary focus will be to take a deeper dive into how some of these expectations are driving the need for new and enhanced technology. This may seem like a no-brainer to most, but we're going to try to keep things relevant to the government sector with a specific focus on solutions that can be flexible enough to be leveraged in an ecosystem of many disparate systems. So not we all know not all these government systems are connected. Um, there's probably you know 50 plus systems in, in any government entity that, that we engage with on a daily basis. So specifically, considering technologies that provide a path to play well with those heavy backend systems that may take our government partners a lot of time to modernize. And then once we set the foundation for the technology, then we'll plan to expand our view broader than just the ability to pay your bill with a credit card as we discuss trends in that third uh, and final episode three. Well, I'm excited. This was great. Excited for part two and part three as well. So Sloan, thanks so much for, for sharing with us today and for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. This was great. 
Well, there's certainly a lot more to payments than I had anticipated and really enjoyed this first part of a three-part series we are doing around payments, looking today at what it means to citizens and new citizen expectations. And next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how payment expectations impact government. And Sloan Wright will be back again to do that with us. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Tyler Tech Podcast. We have a lot of great episodes planned, so please subscribe. My name is Jeff Harrell. I'm the Director of Content Marketing for Tyler Technologies. We'll talk to you soon.